0: And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old
1: Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 96 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, September 14th, 2015. Okay, folks, with apologies to all of you who don't love us talking about sports, yeah, I'm sorry, it's opening day. And this intro is going to be brought to you by Happy Football to All. That's right, the NFL season has opened up this weekend, and exactly one half of the PNR team had a happy weekend. Joe's team unfortunately came out to find that Johnny Football's name should actually be Johnny B. Given to Football Away. Robert's team won in typical heart attack-inducing fashion, of course, and now here we are. Fresh off of content marketing world in the 2015-2016 NFL season, and we're back in PNR show mode. No more deflating your expectations or jokes about pressure and balls and all of that. No, we'll move on from all of that into a whole new season. Like New York giant Jason Pierre-Paul, will literally blow the fingers off your hand with our witty banter about the content marketing news that made the rounds this week. Like first round superstar pick Jameis Winston, our first pass and the latest stories will likely be intercepted and run back for a touchdown. And like Roger Goodell, our NFL commissioner, we'll dish out some comeuppance for content marketing transgressions with our Rants and rave section of the show. And of course, none of it will stick because just like the NFL, we can't make any penalty stick. So let's get this show kicked off and game on. And to help me do that, of course, is my colleague, my co-host, my good, good friend, the only pro content marketing player to reach the 100% voting level into the Hall of Fame, Mr. Joe Pulizzi. How are you, my friend? Well, here I am
0: in a amazingly good mood, and you had to bring up Johnny be <laughs> giving the football away, really? <laughs> well, which, by know, the way, <laughs> there is that. Which I just spit my Diet Pepsi all over the place <laughs> when I heard that, which was hilarious. No, I'm I'm in a wonderful mood. I can't believe the we The aura did it. of content marketing uh, world still I abides. cannot believe we did it. Obviously, um, everything worked out. We saw 3,500 people from even maybe more amazing, 53 countries this year. It's unbelievable. It was such a great show, such a good week. The people, I got to tell you, and I'm totally biased when I say this because, of course, it's our event, but the people are so nice and so wonderful and so excited about being there, and it just, I don't know, It's just, it was just nice to be around all those people that were willing to learn and willing to network and share their experiences and have a little fun
1: and boy exactly. did some of our attendees have some fun <laughs> well, i have to say yes there were more look i i could not agree more i've i've had so many people come up to me one to talk about the cleese thing and giggle with me a little bit about how awesome that was and we'll that talk was about pretty that, awesome oh, it was great and and but also just to tell me how much fun they were having and quite frankly they uh, had already had a lot of fun by the time they were coming up to tell me they were having a lot of fun. So yeah, there was there was a lot of fun to be had and a lot of uh a lot of liquid consumed, let's put it that way. There was the after the after after parties were the most <laughs> exactly. interesting. Well, when the I 80s think. music kicked in, it was like that party went to a whole other level.
0: That was I didn't even know if I saw. Were you there? You left, I think, before I, I came. Well, after party.
1: I, I know, I came in and then I left. I apparently I didn't leave that early. I left around midnight, which I guess the, the party only went on a little bit further than that. Um, well, I was in the middle of the dance floor, which is pro- probably why. You oh, see I me. see. I know. I never made it out to the middle of the dance floor. I, I never got out. I got as soon as the eighties music started, I was like bouncing my head, and then, uh, and then I ended up in a conversation. With a few people, um, a conversation loosely termed, of course, because um, at that point it was, and I was trying to be a good boy at that night because I still had stuff to do the following day, but um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was such, such a good time, and, and I'm so humbled, impressed, I mean, it was just I mean, I walked out of there on cloud nine and, and yeah, some of it had to do with the Cleese thing for sure, but I just walked out feeling so good about the people in this business that were you know that were hopefully helping a little bit. I think we are. I think yeah. That, well, and and we'll talk. A, I'm sure some
0: of these themes will resonate throughout our our news today. But it feels like we're growing up. I mean, it not does. not not in the after party sense. We're definitely not growing up from that sense. But from a <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but let's but, be clear. But we're from still the in, beavis and butthead of marketing, exactly. So. <laughs> but from a practice <laughs> standpoint, for sure, there, yes. there's there's definitely, especially more and more of the sessions were talking about quality over quantity. Exactly. And I'm like about time. That's again we yeah, we we've, right. we've said it over and over in the keynotes and then the major sessions and I think everybody's starting to get this and put their arms around this idea of build investing in an asset rather than the short-term campaign based mentality and
1: We still uh, got a well, long way to go. Don't get we me do. wrong, but we're getting there. We're getting yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, shall we to the news because there do was this. actually a bunch of news that happened last week other than content marketing world and Apple and all sorts of other things that happened. Um, so our first, uh, our first news uh, article comes to us courtesy of – well, we're going to pair two of these things together. The first is an article that comes from CMO.com that talks about content moving to the middle. Um, and we're going to pair that with an article that appeared on the NewsCred blog which was about how much investment the industry is actually getting, content marketing technology in particular. So going back to the uh, CMO.com article, it says that content marketing has clearly taken center stage for brands, for entrepreneurs, for investors. The industry is on track to develop $313 billion in revenue in 2019, this according to PQ Media's Global Content Marketing Forecast. Um, And on the path toward that number, says the article, venture capitalists have invested more than a billion dollars in content marketing. marketing technology startup since 2006. And that segues nicely to the NewsCred report, which is where that number comes from, and basically walks through an entirely, and it's so much work into this thing. Basically, a really long article about all of the venture that has flowed into different technology companies over the last couple of years, and just a really nice analysis of it. I mean, what did you think about both of these things put together? I mean, this is this is really sort of what we just witnessed over the last week at Content Marketing World, which is a lot of money flowing into this space, and really where we find ourselves is, as the CMO article pointed out, sort of on the beginning path of something where we're trying to build something of value. Well, you and I were talking about it before that I think either one of us could have written this
0: article. I mean, I, think, I mean, Jeff from The Economist, uh, Jeff Pundick, I think is his name?
1: Yeah, that's right. The
0: Economist Group did a yeah. great job with this, but it really comes from... Uh, sort of our mentality about where the industry's at. The, the one thing I do have to say is, I, I that three hundred thirteen billion dollars. I don't give that any credence at all. No, I don't either. I don't. I, either. I I I think we should strike that from the record because I think they're counting content created. Yes, yeah, All right. content, and they're saying because they're calling it content marketing. I just think that's wrong. I don't. I, I don't know where the industry's at. I don't. It's definitely not. Even close to, we won't even be close to that number by 2019. I'm sorry, it's no. Just
1: not I think it's a there. 10x number off. Right there, I you go. Yeah, a, a, you I, know, I, I would. Add,
0: that let's take that number and let's just do. Let's just say it's yeah, yeah. Ten, 10 percent of point one Ten percent of that is probably right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now the, the I, one, I would move the decimal point over one. I mean, well, it, and it and it certainly begs the question because the thing that I noticed about the news cred article while. Look, let me be really clear. This, The work that went into this, is I mean, just bookmark this for the only purpose being the kind of resource that, it, I mean, there was a lot of analysis. I mean, I'm going to hat tip, big hat tip to the, the the people who wrote this and put this together because it's just detailed. Um, but the interesting thing to me is that it comes on the heels of Newscred saying, hey, we just raised $42 million, and by the way, we're going to expand beyond content marketing. And into other things, which has also been the stated purpose of Kapost, which took a big bunch of money, and Percolate, which took a big bunch of money, and a lot of the other solutions that are listed here. So, this isn't a content marketing investment per se. As the investment money has grown, it has become about the evolution of marketing, content creation, and the sort of new modern marketer, if you want to look at it that way, and how digital and data are really driving things. I think that's what's driving this investment in the business, not necessarily content marketing.
0: I think to go back to the uh, the CMO.com article, I think it's interesting that the fourth paragraph is the one that's got me because I think this is really why we're going to see more and more money go into this. So I'm going to read this because I think it's important. It says, sure. when we asked sure. business executives the main reasons they sought content from brands. They said that they were looking for fresh ideas, new perspectives, and a balanced and timely view of complicated industry issues. Whatever that's, that may be correct, that's fine. But this is the one I like. When we asked marketers what drove their content marketing, the overwhelming majority said connecting directly to their products and services. Exactly. This is the. This is the. There, there, this, and there
1: it is, folks. There's the gap.
0: This is it. That's <laughs> yeah. right where we're at, and I love that because that's where most brands. I don't care if you're small, medium-sized, or big. That's where most of them are at because they're looking for a very short-term. And Of course, that's why we talk about native advertising all the time. It's because it's a short-term focus. They want this blip. They want want to kick up in sales, and they're not thinking about long-term. How do we build loyal relationships? And how is this an asset for the organization that we're going to invest in over time? That is is not happening, even though the article says that 93% of the companies are either going to maintain or increase their investment in content marketing over the next 12 months,
1: which is basically yeah. what our, our, our research says the same thing at CMI. So. That's exactly right. I mean, and it's why I mean, it's why I talked on the the talk that I gave at Content Marketing World, which is it's not that these campaign based marketing is dying or anything like that. It's just a different kind of investment model. And if we continue to look at content marketing as just an alternative form of campaign based marketing that drives leads and drives connections to products, you'll fail. You'll just you just will. You just won't ever get good at it. And. You've got to look at content marketing as a different kind of investment that will provide value over time. That doesn't mean we can't measure it, doesn't mean we can't create value in the short term. What it means is, is that it's a different investment model of building a foundation of something that's going to increase in value over the long term. It's just different. That's all. It's not, it's not, and, and so that's the real key here. And what I loved about this is that he actually at the end of that article talks about it. he says, building the asset that is the audience is the long term product process and to me that's the that's that's really what it's all about
0: Uh, you you did not pair these two articles with another article but you should have it's called is roi really what you're looking for and it was featured (laughs) in chief content officer magazine and it was on the content marketing institute site on september 13th and i think we're going to have to put this in the show notes because anyone that's confused let's say with how to measure their let's say content marketing campaigns quote unquote. Versus what they're trying to do is build a loyal audience over time. That's exact. You cover that, and it's amazing that there's still confusion. It's yes. and it's a different. By the way, there's nothing wrong with doing the same thing and measuring no. your content marketing campaigns the way that you'd measure anything else. Exactly. It's just this is a different way to look at it, like Red Bull Media House does, for example. And I think that's what you're trying to say in the article. And for some reason, people get upset. With you saying no, there maybe we should just look at it. <laughs> you're this trying way. to goad
1: me into something. Um, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to goaded go- into. <laughs> I don't want to goad you in. I think that
0: I think that people should just read the comments uh, because I think you stated very well that there's not just one way to, to look at this thing. And you're saying, hey, right. we've been doing it, uh, maybe not as successfully for many many decades. Maybe we should look over here. I mean, it's. Like, I'm I'm not. I'm not pimping my new book right now, but it's the same exact thing. I just said, hey, you know what? We've been failing as businesses and entrepreneurs have been these horrible success rates over the past many, many years. Maybe we're doing it wrong. Maybe we should just build the audience first and then launch a product or service. And you're saying the same thing with this. Maybe we should just look at the investment into an asset over time instead of looking at it as an, an expense and how much we can get out of that content
1: in a very short period of time. That's right. If the change isn't going to come from us, where's it going to come from? That's
0: Amen, all. brother. I, yeah. I just – but it's a – you know what? You're heading into a storm with some of this thing and some of this, and I, I really enjoy it. I'm going to watch.
1: Oh, it's this fun. It's, it's, it's lots and lots of fun. Yeah. I'm, you know, this is one of those things where if you – you know, where you really feel you're right – you know, you can go. I'm your, it's very comfortable out on the bow of the ship, you know. So it's, 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 I'm having a, yeah, that's, a, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, it's where, it's where you're not so sure is where you go, well, maybe you're right. But, you know, this one, it feels really good.
0: I, I'm in, I'm really digging it because I've had some conversations with some venture capital companies just about the, the new book. And I basically tell them, I'm like, well, what's your success rate like? And, you know, you're know, you trying to create this amazing differentiated product when you're going to most likely have to pivot anyways because you're not going to get it right. You're exactly. not going to know what your market fit is. Wouldn't it be better to just understand the audience better than anyone else? And you're going to do that by creating conversation and communication through this content ink or content marketing effort? Right. Isn't that exactly. a better way to go? And they look like look at me like I got two heads. <laughs> and I'm saying, I'm, I hate it. Hey, I said – there's nothing wrong. There's going to be a Facebook out there. There's going to be another Instagram. There's going to be all these unicorns out there. But the thing is, if uh, if Y Combinator, which is the most successful accelerator on the planet, only has a ten percent success rate, I don't like my odds there. I, so, I, why don't we do something else? I,
1: it's crazy. I mean, anyways. so here's so I'll, I'll finish with this because I know we beat this to death. But but the, so I opened up the workshop at Content Marketing World this week and it's my new video that I love to open up with which is it comes from 1997 and we can even put this in the show notes it's this video from Steve Jobs and it's a month after he's been brought back into Apple so it's 1997 he's not even CEO yet he's still just a consultant quote unquote with the company But he's on the cusp of sort of becoming the – you know, coming back as CEO and basically taking Apple into the new century, which of course he would do over the next eight years and make the company as huge as it is. And he gets a question. He said that he's at the developers conference and he gets a question from the audience, which is this really snarky question from one of the developers who basically says, what have you been doing for the last seven years? You know, basically (laughs) chiding him that he's not been doing anything for the company. Yeah. And he and why are you killing all these products? Because he famously came in and killed, a, you know, like almost 80% of the products they were producing. And he says, and I won't belabor the whole thing, give you the whole quote, but basically his, his answer to this guy is like, yeah, this guy is right in certain occasions. But I think in order to succeed, he says, I think you have to start with where we want to take the – what is the customer experience? What is the value that we want to deliver to that customer and the experience we want to deliver to them and then work backwards from that in terms of the way you get there? He said, instead of the way we usually go to market – and he said, I've made this mistake as as much as anybody of saying, we have this cool new thing and let's figure out how to market it to the people. And he said – he goes, I think the other way is better. He said, but I don't know. We'll see. And I think we definitely have seen. And it's just, it's such a great analogy of where we are now in terms of content and product of if we can just think about what is the experience we want to deliver to the customer and work backwards from that, we will be in such a better place. I love that. I absolutely love that. But And I want to I just conclude this.
0: To, we want to go on to our next uh, news topic, but... Uh, Chuck Ellis, at Chuck Ellis, of course, as we've been tweeting back and forth, he, I have one believer that thinks that my conspiracy theory is correct about Apple buying Disney. I know, I saw that. <laughs> it's on the This whole Marketing Hashtag, you can check it out. So now there is Chuck and myself, I and saw we're looking that.
1: for more and more people. You'll both be buying me a steak
0: dinner. That's on. All right. That's going to happen. That's it. We're betting right here. <laughs> I bet in the next five years that happens. It is not going to happen, folks. Okay, happen. let's move on.
1: <laughs> Only next. our next our next article comes to us from Econsultancy and the headline is only 17% of brands have the ability to fully analyze the customer journey. I was actually surprised it was this high. New Econsultancy <laughs> report in partnership with Adobe found that companies are still struggling to embrace multi-channel marketing. They surveyed nearly 2000 digital marketers and e-commerce professionals to find out the extent to which organizations are taking an integrated approach to marketing across different channels. Lack of capability was the biggest issue there in terms of understanding the customer journey as it is becoming an increasingly important part of both the digital and offline touchpoints. So what do you think? I mean, do you, do you see this in the in sort of all the brands that you touch that we really don't understand this customer journey and that's sort of the source of much of this multi-channel content thing? I have two quick takes on this, Robert. Uh, yeah, the first, thank thing you, Joe. I'll appreciate those two quick takes. Yeah, please do. The first thing
0: is is that most enterprises that I seem to look at their so called buyer's journey have a lot. They, have, they so called they look a lot your like so called Your so called buyer's journey is actually a sales process. <laughs> yes. So that it's it's the sale is the journey of the salespeople it's the inside baseball. Team. Yeah, it's inside base, baseball. So I think that's the problem, and they don't. Uh, actually, look at their engagement strategy. That, that has to look with the actual buying process. But that, let's put that to a si- aside for a second. There's two things that really made me change my mind when I look at the buyer's journey. And I am nothing wrong with. You know, I'm not putting it down or anything. Everybody has their journey. You should you should look at it as much as you possibly can. But I saw a presentation from Andrew Davis years ago when he looked at just he was he just wanted to buy. He wanted a meatloaf recipe, <laughs> he, right? Because he yeah. does this great. Pre- you've seen it many times. Yes, I have. Yeah. And he goes through, you know, the, my the buyer's journey for that, and it, it basically has something like sixty or seventy different touch points. And he basically said, funnel that, you know, try right. to try put me in a, a funnel, f- figure out my journey on that whole thing. And then the second thing is, and it's actually from a really good book. I don't know if you've read it. It's called Experiences. <laughs> where they go where uh where Robert Rose and Carla Johnson they go through and this is my favorite thing there's so many different points that you can look at in the buying process, but most most of the time we're just we're just trying to run after things we we that are changing constantly and it's tough to really grab onto it and what you talk about in the book is that what if we created three amazing experiences for our customers. One thing would be, what if we created an amazing awareness experience? What if we created a first-rate loyalty experience? And then what if we created this purchase experience that was second to none? And if you really focused on those three portions of the buyer's journey, wouldn't we be better off than to look at the 17 to 60 to 120 different points in the journey. And you. I think you have some – you talk about it in the book where isn't there one company you worked with that had like 70 or 80?
1: 72, yeah, 72 points in their bio 72 journey. Points. trying to figure out how to map content to every micro decision that could be which, made. Which, which
0: is impossible to right, do. You will never do it. You right. can't do it. So my take on this is I don't even know if I care. I don't even I, – I, I would – I say I think that we should stop maybe looking at all the points of the buyer's journey, and we could we should focus on where we can have impact with the customer, where we really really have a reasonable assurity that we can create a positive experience for them at certain portions in the buyer's journey, and not necessarily look at every little piece along the way.
1: Yeah, I, and I so I would have a, a related. Similar take on that, which is it's the same one I have with regard to measurement and analytics, which is have the capability to measure everything and then don't. Right. And, and, and it's the, you know, it's the same thing where I look at the buyer's journey have the capability and actually do the work to really understand your buyer's journey the 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 journey mapping exercise and go through it all and then don't try and map every piece of content to it get build three remarkable ones right or five remarkable ones or however many you one remarkable one and and do that right it's like understand that Buyer engagement that that is there's that's never an unproductive exercise to understand how your consumer comes through the journey of your brand and 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 has their experience mm-hmm. through from the first time they meet you to the big time they become loyal and share their sto- your story across all their social networks. That's a productive exercise, and so. Do that, and then don't try and to create a content plan that meets every single micro decision that they have. I mean, that's the that's my advice.
0: Well, that that's my, and I actually have it right in front of me because I was just typing it up before we got on the podcast. But my podcast eighty seven of of Content Inc. is all about deciding what not to do. That, I think that's right. That that's is, exactly so, right. That's strategy, right? And who's who's the quote? Wh- what's the quote? That's that says? Um, that's the five uh, that? the five forces. Uh, Michael Porter. Thank you, Michael Porter. It's strategy is deciding what not to do, right? And I think that's where we've talked. We talked about it at length the content marketing world, and I think you just make a decision. You say, okay, here's what we know about the buyer's journey. And here's the three spots, or here's the four spots that we really can make an impact, and we're going to go right. that direction. And you know what? For right now, we can't be great at those other ones, and let's just put those to the side. Exactly. Prioritize. Where
1: does it hurt the most? It hurts Got in it. a lot of places, <laughs> 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 Well, especially for you today. <laughs> oh! 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 <laughs> See what I did there? You.
0: Oh, no, <laughs> that's not... You, hey, we're only one game out of First place. That's right. Yeah, right.
1: And the Cowboys are tied for the best record in football right hey, now. so here we go. Hey, this is this is the best time of the year for both of us. It's absolutely more, right. more you than You're I. You're either one game out or, or or have the best record. So we're right in the chase right in the chase all right (laughs) our next article comes to us courtesy of adage.com um this one is a fascinating given all the discussions we've had over the last couple of weeks about this buzzfeed makes a deal with an agency for preferential rates and technology so wpp the jihugic holding company that is wpp the media agency network group m specifically within the wpp um world and buzzfeed have signed the latest in a series of deals in which agencies and media companies pool their resources in areas such as creating ads. So the way this is going to work is that Group M will get preferential rates, dedicated staffers in BuzzFeed's creative studio, BuzzFeed Motion Pictures, and exclusive access to BuzzFeed's proprietary data and analytics platform, Pound, as part of this year-long global partnership. BuzzFeed gains what's likely its biggest book of business from an agency group and its clients, so they get preferential treatment from those clients, as well as an endorsement for Pound, which began operations this year, which is their technology platform. But there hasn't been uh, offered up to other agencies yet. So what say you, Joe Polizzi? I think this is the first step in what we've been talking about for so long. Finally, an agency sort of looking to really own a publishing platform and pull it into their family. What do you think?
0: So when you read this article, you really honestly believe that this could be them setting up to to purchase BuzzFeed?
1: I absolutely do. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, so if you're going to go out on a limb and say the Disney thing, uh, I think this is WPP's foray. Because, by the way, this is how they treat all technology platforms when they go out and do a deal with like – and I don't know if it's WPP or Omnicom. I can't remember that has the deal with Adobe. Um, they bring in Adobe and they test it out with a few different clients and they sort of make it the preferential partner um, and then roll it out. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying WPP or Omnicom is going to buy Adobe, but what I mean is this is the way they sort of do it. They bring it in as a partnership, a preferred partner thing, and then they make it the standard. And I think this, to be honest, I think I look at this and go, huh, this is ad age – or excuse me, WPP – rolling this out and looking at this and saying, if this works, they could purchase BuzzFeed and make it, and make it just the in-house publishing uh, arm. I didn't read anything into that at all. Now you, <laughs> you
0: know, now, I know it's going out on a limb.
1: I know. it. I know it is. You know what? I, you, I know know what I read, you know what
0: I read into this article? I'm going to, it's all coming out right now. You know what I read? Uh Oh, what did you I read? I read absolutely nothing. I think this is a, I think this is a non-story. Do you want to know why I think this
1: is a non-story? So you wait a minute. Let me get this straight. You don't think WPP is going to buy BuzzFeed, but you do think Apple's going to buy Disney. Don't change the subject on me.
0: <laughs> I'm going to tell you. We're on this article. I'm going to tell you why this article. We're means both smoking nothing. weed. I, this is why this article means nothing. You know what? There's no skin in the game here. There, but, there's no risking there cha- a name. There, uh, was there any? Is there any money changing hands in this deal that we can? Well, that we no. it. I mean, well, I mean, no. o- other than the fact. No, just, well, uh, just answer
1: the question, please.
0: Is there any money-changing hands? In this article, does it say that there's any money-changing hands?
1: It does not say that, no. It then does there's not no, say that. Then, it's just, then, then you can call me tomorrow. You think this is a Barney thing. You think this is simply a Barney agreement where nobody's actually going to do anything. They're just saying, I love you, you that's love exactly me. Right. That's exactly okay. right. That's
0: exactly what I'm saying because there's nothing that's going to motivate anybody to do anything for either side. And this is my own... It's my old personal experience in partnerships. If you have a partnership and there's no skin in the game, what happens is nothing. Nothing happens unless there is skin in the game. There's no money. There's no percentage. There's no equity. There's nothing in this. It's just like, okay, you can use these tools, and we'll use these, and let's see what happens. And there's going to be crickets, man. I'm telling you right now. Well,
1: that's a fair critique. I, I, I absolutely will take that, but I'll still stand by it that I think this is a more interesting partnership. Than not, um, and we'll see what happens. We'll 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 track which one of us is right about which one. About which <laughs> the, the, the only thing that I will say on this one, let's just get <laughs> to the you know, let's
0: say that there is something to it. I don't know if it's all good for brands out there. It's not because of the fact. Well, because of the fact that if you're just talking about basically native content, so the so Group M will be working with their you know buying programs with. Buzzfeed using a variety of different, you know, content creation engines and tools and people and whatnot, and they're going to be creating content specifically on Buzzfeed's platform, which is great for Buzzfeed, by the way. This is wonderful if it's like almost like a lead funnel for them, so perfect. But it's still very short-term campaign-based thinking. So I don't know if we're going to just see more of that. Like, do we really need? I love what they're doing at Buzzfeed, but do we really need more content on Buzzfeed? Do, I mean do we really want brand more brands and stuff on BuzzFeed? I
1: well, mean, I, okay. So he, let me put it to you this way. What if, what if this was the way to look at what like Condé Nast is doing and what Wall Street Journal is doing and what Time and New York Times and all these companies are doing with regard to offering brands services that relate to content across yeah. their platforms – What if there was a way to say, here's BuzzFeed. We're going to remove most of the banner ads. We're going to actually reduce the screen real estate. Then this is a conversation we had last week. We're going to actually reduce the number of ads that you see on BuzzFeed. We're going to actually increase the number of sponsored articles. And so articles themselves will be sponsored by advertisements that we create. So this one joint entity, this group sort of joint operation between this media agency that serves these clients and this publishing platform is going to offer you up a much more streamlined experience to get beyond the ad blockers and the banner ads and all that with sponsored articles and native articles and those sorts of things. They'll monetize it that way, and it becomes a better experience for the consumer. I think it would be fine on other platforms, but BuzzFeed's
0: already doing that. BuzzFeed, I don't even think they have banner ads on BuzzFeed. It's all 95% of all BuzzFeed's revenue is from native. Right. Already. So, I mean, I maybe right. there's a banner or two coming across. I mean, this would be really good on like um, one of those other, you know, I don't want to throw anybody else under the bus, but almost the other the other articles we've been <laughs> reading here where I get a big pop up uh, that before I can get into the article and those types of that would be great.
1: Forbes, for example, Forbes, for example,
0: would be Harvard Business yeah. Review, actually.
1: Oh, HBR. Well, I thought, that's
0: I can't get happen. into that unless I've got a. Watch Don't something. even get me on a rant on H. Yeah. Anyways, we won't talk about that. But any anyways, I, I guess what I hope is is that if there's going to be more of this happen with BuzzFeed or Group M clients, however you want to position it, that they look at it as part of their ongoing um, customer experience program or, or audience building program
1: instead of just as a, a replacement for advertising. We shall see. We shall see. We you shall go. see. Okay. All right, our last article of the show comes to us courtesy of TechCrunch. And this is a fascinating one, actually, for us to end on. Uber... They're about to start carrying in-car magazines. So starting this week in New York City, you can grab a copy of Uber's new in-car magazine called Arriving Now from the seat back pockets of the car that you may be riding in. This new print publication isn't exactly a revolutionary move, says the article. Airlines have been rocking in-flight magazines for a while, but Uber has an interesting opportunity here to test the content waters. Now, if you remember, we talked, uh, I think it was a few months ago, about Uber launching a magazine, a content marketing magazine for drivers. This one's actually for the consumers, and it actually talks about a lot. These, this new magazine editorial strategy is going to have everything to do with fashion um, and what's going on in the city and all sorts of things. Um, so what say you, Mr. Polizzi? Is well, this is this a good idea? It's a It's actually a a proven program. I mean, if you look at
0: what's happened with what Amtrak has done for the last 30 years yep. and what airlines have done for the, for the, past 40 years, they've all had some type of, uh, content marketing publication in the seat backs and it's worked very, very well over the years. And I would imagine there it's twofold. One is, um, can they create content that provides some kind of a brand experience that that's going to have people that are taking an Uber do, create some kind of different behaviors or feel something different about Uber. I don't know. I guess it would, it'll it depend on the content for that one. The second thing is there's probably a revenue source here. Exactly. So they probably have... Uh, they'll, they'll have a num- number of ways to defray the cost of this. I'm, th- I'm thinking at first they probably won't be able to, but within a year or so, I'm assuming they could probably get to a, get, get a break-even point depending on if they're national advertisers, if they're going local. I'm assuming if they roll this out nationwide that it'll be more of a national advertiser program similar to um, the way that uh, airlines do it or maybe focus on a, a a couple of larger areas like the new york city area or the los angeles area i don't know does anybody drive around in los angeles i don't know you tell
1: me oh no no uber's a big thing, big here. thing? yeah no u- uber's uber's huge here yeah it's 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 a. Uh Yeah, you know, it's surprisingly big here. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I'm all in on this. I think this is a great idea. I mean, because it also does provide some, I mean, whether they go down this road or not, I don't know. But it provides a lot of opportunity for the drivers, right, where they can offer revenue share and or ways that the drivers can get involved in this um, with regard to sponsors, with regard to the content, with regard to distribution of the content, which takes, you know, takes, you know, basically in a in a in a in a situation where you know I'm, I mean I, I don't know if you were following this week Uber had a huge victory uh, in court uh, this week where the court basically said taxis need to get a business model because Uber's eating you know drinking their milkshake and so go get a business model and and Uber won basically but in an era where as they grow and the, the margins on this are going to sort of naturally begin to become thinner as Uber becomes more you know, sort of prevalent uh, over, the, you know, over other competitors, they're going to have to have other ways to differentiate in the marketplace for not only their drivers but for the consumers. And so this becomes a different way to do that and to create an experience. And if there's a way to join those two things with drivers and the magazine, I think it's a really, really interesting idea. I have
0: to just say this, because I I probably took seven or eight Ubers this week while I was in Cleveland, just trying to get from place to place as we were going from parties to dinners to whatever, and I actually wanted to go use the taxis. I really did. I wanted to support them. Uh, They've been great for us, in and I did use some taxis, by the way, but most of the time I was using Ubers, and it's just so darn easy. It's just well, so. Well, that's the thing. Experience is so much better. I Experience is so much better. Yeah, it is. It it's it's so it's so much better that a taxi could be standing right in front of me, and I'll
1: still call an Uber. That's right. Yeah, and you know why? Here's the thing that I've noticed is because, and I take taxis a lot because at the airports, it's you know it's a big pain in the butt to get an Uber actually into the airport, so it's just easier to jump in the cab line and go. These days, the 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 level of experience has degraded so much in taxis. It used to be, and I'm old enough to remember this, and I don't know why this changed or where this changed, but it used to be, especially in New York, you get into a cab and you go, I'm going here. You didn't even need to give them an address. You just go, I'm going here. And they're like, yes, sir. Boom. And you are off. You don't have to say another word to them. Now it's like, the first thing you do is they get in, you have an address? Well, I have an address. Where is that? And so I'm having to half the time I'm in a taxi now, I have to open up my nav and go, here's how you're going to get there. Yeah, I know. I'm with it's you. It's ridiculous. And so in an Uber, even beyond just the the fact that I can actually call them and 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 on my app and they know when I'm there and and the and the car doesn't smell and it's and it's just a nice better experience. I just I just plug in my address into the when I order it up the thing and I don't have to say another word to them they know where I'm going they know how to get there they've got their own thing going on it's a it's it's just a better experience
0: I, I have nothing else to say you're right. <laughs> I feel bad I feel bad about it actually but you're right it's a better business model and now that they have so many people in the back seats with quality you know time, uh, why not have an experience there in exactly. print publication? And exactly I, I think, right. and I think it's a much better way, believe it or not, than the. And
1: that, by the way, the digital thing is going to come, right? It's not. I can't imagine that there won't be a time in the very, very near future where there's going to be an iPad in the back of those. But you cars. know what?
0: Yes, I was just thinking about that. But here's the problem: is when I get into a cab in New York, when I hear the same. You know today news over and over again, and usually I'm in a cab longer than fifteen minutes, so I see the same reel three or four times. Sure. I cannot. You know you can turn it. that off. I know that, yeah. but I'm trying to take the whole thing in, the whole experience of it. Wow. I I think that I think could could print be a better
1: medium? Maybe. Yeah. You're in right, the backseat right. of a car. You, you may be right. You may absolutely be right. Okay. There you go. Right. Um, thanks, well, for, hey, speaking thanks for agreeing. You've experience. agreed
0: with me this whole I mean, you've agreed with me on everything this whole show. I'm I'm actually quite surprised. Well you are the I agree <laughs> with you on the Disney
1: thing, but you are the Hall of Famer. You are you are Joe Pulitzi. You did Whatever. interview Nick Offerman. You did have beer and bacon with Nick Offerman. I did. I I absolutely did on stage, but
0: I did <laughs> not interview Mr. John Cleese. No, that, you didn't. That was that was amazing to see actually
1: (laughs) speaking of wonderful experiences we have a delightful sponsor we should talk about we do absolutely this week this old marketing is sponsored
0: by our good friends at studio d a division of demand media and they have a fantastic content asset that we've been talking about for the past couple weeks called the content marketing files lessons learned from the last decade robert and i love this because if you don't know, Demand Media has been around for a long, long time. They've been, been made many, many pivots uh, from back when Google was just a little pup to now. And they've talked about how you can figure out your content strategy, your creation and distribution, uh, platforms, organizations, whatever. They go through the whole thing. They talk about the data, thought leadership tips, and how you can really track your ROI and publish content that, res- <laughs> that resonates with your target Audiences I want you to download this guide now at go.studioD.com/ebook Go.studio.d.com slash ebook, or just go to the this old marketing.com page and you will see, uh, go into the last couple episodes and you'll find it. Uh, but it's a really good piece of content. It's a great it piece. Is. And, and of course, we only uh, promote great pieces of content That's on right. this uh, show. And thanks again to the wonderful folks at Studio D. They just went through a whole new rebrand. If you get a chance to go, there, go to their site, check them out on StudioD.com.
1: Awesome. Awesome. awesome! Thank you so much to the studio. Awesome sauce to the studio D. That should be their new tagline. They, they should. They You're should in way this. too good they of a should, mood. They should create this. I'm in a great mood. They should trade. They should. They should create this. Somebody should actually take this snippet that I'm about to do and tell them that they should make this their new tagline. Go studio D. Awesome sauce. So that would be great. So anyway, let's move on now to your favorite part of the show, folks. It is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us angry or something that makes us feel like football has begun. Yay. Um, very quick shout out here. Last week, I actually offered up an Easter egg hunt for those who wanted to participate on what I had been doing over the last 10 shows or so, and Jim McLeod, at Jim McLeod, and that's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. He's got the unique spelling of McLeod there. He won. He is the first one. There was a few of you who got it, and he was the first one to tweet me that he had got it, and it was basically John Cleese quotes. We had been uh, I'd been putting in, embedding John Cleese quotes into the proceedings here for some time. He's a marketer. You can also learn learn more about Jim at JimMcLeod.com. Okay, so you're going first, actually, with our little rants and raves section because uh, you also have this old marketing. Yeah,
0: and I've been ranting enough this episode, so I'm going to go with a rave on this. And and I had a really good conversation at Content Marketing World with a gentleman named Eric Rosenberg. He's at Yoda18 on Twitter, which is a fantastic uh, Twitter name. At Yoda 18, and we were just talking about John Cleese, and actually we were talking about you, Robert, and how you were so giddy on stage. It was, we could see that it was one of your career highlights, uh, maybe second to this podcast, but but you know, for real second close. only to meeting you, buddy. Oh, of course, whatever. But when we were talking, my about, eyes swim with love. When we were talking about John Cleese, he said, "Have you seen John Cleese's National Levels of Alert article that he wrote?" And we were talking about just creativity and not following along with the same old content that everyone else is doing and what a great example this was. And I don't know. I, I just thought it might be a good idea to read this. Would, would you so be okay? Funny. Could I oh, read this? Oh, of course. You okay.
1: Anything. It's, it's anything so from funny. John Cleese. It's, it's very short. It's not
0: too long. So this is called National Levels of Alert, Threats to Europe from John Cleese. So so bear with us here. <clears throat> The English are feeling the pinch in relation to recent events in Syria and have therefore raised their security level from miffed to peeved. Soon though security levels may be raised yet again from irritated or even a bit a, a bit cross. The English have not been a bit cross <laughs> since the blitz in 1940 when tea supplies nearly ran out. Terrorists. <laughs> this is. i get through this. Terrorists have been recategorized from tiresome to a bloody nuisance. <laughs> the-, the last time the British issued a bloody nuisance warning level was in 1588 when threatened by the Spanish Armada. The Scots have raised their le- their threat level from pissed off to let's get the bastards. They don't have any other levels. This is the reason they have been used on the front line of the British <laughs> Army for the past 300 years. The French government announced yesterday that it has raised its terror alert level from run to hide. The only two higher levels in France are collaborate and surrender. The rise was precipitated by a recent fire that destroyed France's white flag factory, effectively paralyzing the country's military capability. Italy has increased the alert level from shout loudly and excitedly to (laughs) elaborate military posturing. Two more levels remain, ineffective combat operations, and change sides. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, uh, My my, uh, relation is Italian, so I have to to laugh at that. The Germans have increased their alert state from disdainful arrogance (laughs) to dress dress in uniform and sing marching songs. They They also have two higher levels, invade a neighbor and lose. (laughs) Belgians, on the other hand, are all on holiday as usual. The only threat (laughs) they are worried about is NATO pulling out of Brussels. The Spanish are all excited to see their new submarines ready to deploy. These beautifully designed subs have glass bottoms, so the new Spanish Navy can get a good look at the old Spanish Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Australia, meanwhile, has raised the security level from no worries to she'll be right, mate. Two more escalation levels remain. Crikey, I think we'll need to cancel the Barbie this weekend, and the Barbie is cancelled. So far, no situation has ever warranted use of the last final escalation level. Regards, John Cleese, British writer, actor, and tall person. As a final thought, Greece is collapsing, The Iranians are getting aggressive, and Rome is in disarray. Welcome back to 430 BC. So, isn't that great? It's it's just so good.
1: Gosh, just so good. But
0: you know, his creativity talk was just mesmerizing. I, I don't think you know what was great about it. I don't think people expected that. And uh, I think they expected comedy, which he was funny the whole time. But he, I mean, some of the, his thinking is just ingenious. And well, he's been doing it for so many years. I don't think I mean, people been, realize that. Yeah. If you don't know John Cleese, and you don't know what he's been doing. You don't. I mean, you've been talking about him. <laughs> I, you turned me on to him years ago. Um, more than just Monty Python, and uh, it's something else. So, so hats yeah. off to Mr. John Cleese, who gave a great keynote. You and you
1: and him went doing the uh, Q and A was was just tremendous value to everyone. And. Uh, that was just awesome. It was a lot of fun too. I have to tell you, I just you know, I mean, as you said, it was an experience of a lifetime for me. It was, it was something that is you know, it's bucket list list, right? I mean, it's 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 definitely it's definitely there. So okay, so I have a rave this week, um, and the rave really comes from something that happened before the show, um, and I have now sort of begun talking about a little more. Um, interestingly enough, it was this the, my rave for this week. Talking about it as my rave for this week came from a dis- conversation that I had at Content Marketing World, where I had a CMO come up to me in the middle of the hallway and say, "Hey, listen, we need somebody in content marketing. This happens a lot, right? So we need somebody in content marketing to come in and help us, you know, figure out the content marketing strategy and our approach to this and how we're going to figure it out and all of this kind of thing and create a team and build a whole strategy for this." And he says, "Oh, and by the way." I'm also looking for a VP of marketing for this content marketing person to report into. And I looked at him and I went, well, that's interesting. And I I said, why isn't it the other way around? I said, why don't you look for a content marketing person who can lead your marketing efforts and find a campaign person who can report to this person? I said, I'm not saying it should be this way. I'm just saying it could be that way. And he looked and he said, that's a really interesting thought. I hadn't thought about making sort of the leader of marketing sort of a content person. So, anyway, I got this one person thinking about it, and, and what then sort of spurred me into this is this and the show, what we 'll put in the show notes is this article from the dot com which uh, basically the headline is meet the GE exec who is reinventing Thomas Edison's light bulb. And it is all about how Beth Comstock, whom we've spoken about at numerous content marketing worlds, we've talked about in content marketing on this show, et cetera, et cetera, how she's navigated her career through GE. Well, she's the newest vice chairman of General Electric. Um, And that is just a huge thing. So Um, at, she is the first woman, by the way, to be the vice chairman of the 137 year old company and the career path that has gotten her there has been nothing short of sort of remarkable. And it has centered on her level of innovation and her ability to not work by the rules and to come up through really a very, very different path through marketing. And the thing that I love about this, first of all, she, you know, basically, she comes from a content background, right? So she, you know, she comes from a journalism background. She comes through corporate communications and is now vice chairman. My take on this and the reason I love this so much is that it just really starts to look at not only where content is starting to lead the organization and starting to really lead marketing, but it's how it gets there right? So it's not that it's just really important in a digital world. It's that it the process for how we get there is changing as well. And this really speaks to chapter two of the book, where Carl and I talk about this idea of marketing with a capital M, and that it's really time for marketing to lead companies. But it's only going to do that if we can change the process by which we get there. And what we basically argue in that, in that, chapter of the book is that it's not good enough to simply generate leads and do salespeople and have foot track into the stores and get visitors to the e-commerce site. We got that part down, but we have to change and we have to sort of lead and evolve our job, our job as marketers into something we do. And we tell the story of Kathy Button Bell, right, the CMO of Emerson, who's just an amazingly dynamic person, who's completely transformed what the means to be a marketer in that company to things like human resources and product development and customer service. Or Eduardo Conrado, who wrote the forward to our book, who's now chief innovation officer at Motorola, who's fused IT and marketing and sales together because he discovered that all of them basically have the same remit, which is to create a better customer experience. And then finally, just to round this out, and I have to give credit to Carly here because this is her line, and I just love this line so much. She says, as marketers, in order to lead companies and industries, we must first understand how to lead our own profession – and I just – I love that so much because it really begins – it's the change be, uh, begins within, right? It change begins with that one first step, and it means being unafraid to do things that are going to break things, that are going to break models, that are going to switch the way traditional roles have been led in our organizations, drive value in different ways. And I know this I know this isn't the greatest quote, but it totally reminds me of that scene in The Matrix where um, – Mr. An- Mr. Anderson, you know, so uh, the, Mr. Smith says to him, he says, Evolution, look out that window. You've had your time. The future is our world. The future is our time. And I just love what Beth Comstock has done at GE, the way she's navigated her career path, and I can see that as a path for marketers in all kinds of industries. And I think it's now time for – it's our world. It's just very inspiring, and that's my rave. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Everything is so beautiful. It's glorious. It's awesome sauce. You're my boy, Blue. (laughs) Hey, that was great. I like. No, I mean, we're both. It's very inspiring Uh, to see somebody leading that kind, that size of a company that came up through the ranks of content and innovation and driving that kind of change in an organization. You know, and, you know, and look, GE's got its own challenges like every other large company does. And they certainly have their own problems and all of that kind of stuff. But it's a very inspiring story. And I think it's one that we can aspire to as marketers where we're trying to do something different in the world. We're trying to do something interesting and get us out of this sort of on demand, incremental focus on trying to drive leads into a funnel. Amen, brother. Yep, I'm with you.
0: Uh, what do I, oh I have the we uh, have a this, this old marketing, marketing to talk you know what you and I were talking about this so we're yeah. gonna we're gonna switch it up just a little bit but not so much it's uh, a this very young kind of old marketing. well no, it's the examples in this so we decided yeah, that right. because the story of content rise of the new marketing the the new documentary that uh, we produced it was directed by Eric Leslie produced by Amanda Subler, who has just done it, both of them done a fantastic job, underwritten by Bright Cove. It, it's just getting amazing reviews. And you and I were thinking about what's, you know, what's this whole marketing going to be this week? I said, well, we, we've got about a dozen in this documentary. <laughs> exactly. We should at least talk about the documentary. So just so everybody's clear, the The story of, you can go to thestoryofcontent.com. Uh, you can also use Amazon Prime and get it right on Amazon right now. It's being spread all over the place. Uh, it is a 43-minute documentary talking about basically the rise of this new marketing, uh, and it has amazing case studies in it uh, from John, the John Deere case study is tremendous about the farmer who's been reading John Deere's The Furrow Magazine. You've got Will at Blend from Blentech. It goes back into the soap operas with Procter & Gamble, which are just tremendous. And, you know, of course, we've got thought leaders like uh, Mr. <clears throat> Robert Rose in it. Mm-hmm. I'm in it a little bit. Uh, Jay Bear, Ann Hanley, Scott Stratton, uh, uh, Kirk Shavitz, uh, I mean, on and on. Don Schultz is in it, which is awesome because I love oh, Don i Schultz love when Schultz great. Well, I yeah. love when Kirk uh, – one of my favorite theres – I've got a number of favorite lines in there. One is when, um, when Kirk says the, – the question was, but what about all this – You know, content, where are we going to get the time to engage in all this content? And he says, there are people that still haven't read the Bible and it's been around (laughs) for 2,000 years. So it's just like, you can't talk to me about this content thing. We can engage in what we want to engage in. But the one part, I don't know if you caught this part of the documentary, it was when uh, it was at the end of the River Pools and Spas case study that we were talking about with Marcus Sheridan. And he said, the one area that changed his business forever is when he realized that we are going to first uh, teach and be the leading experts in the world on installing fiberglass pools. That was going to be our focus for, from this point on. And then, oh by the way, we're going to sell them and install them. Yeah, that was a secondary thing. What they sold and installed was secondary, and what they did and the experiences that, that they wanted their customers to have was all about the information they were disseminating in their communication. I just think that, that, that that's amazing. I think that's where we're going. I think that's, that's where the horses are going. That's the
1: heart of it. That's the
0: that's the whole heart of it right there. And uh and I'm so proud of uh of this documentary. I really do believe that you know it's interesting you, I think that you and I have written books for various reasons because we get so many questions. Like when somebody came up to me and you know, in the past and they said, hey, I'm an enterprise and I want to understand how to do content marketing, I'd say, here, here's Epic Content Marketing, go to town. And I basically wrote Content Inc. because, hey, there's entrepreneurs and small businesses and, and Epic Content Marketing was more for enterprise. I said, hey. Here's this book. Just That's all you need. Just go ahead and do that. And I think the yeah. same goes with experiences in your book and the yep. same thing. This is great. So anybody listening, if you've got people in your organization that just don't get it. 45 they, minutes later, they will. They will absolutely get it. And that's why I love this because I think we can change the – I really do believe this. We can change the world because people will now sit down. And it's entertaining. It's an entertaining 45 <clears throat> minutes that you can really change your organization if they just you just get them to sit down for this documentary. So, yep. anyways, it's the storyofcontent.com. And I, we'd love to get your feedback on what you think. But the great news is there's all kinds of this old marketing examples throughout the. Uh, oh, Red Bull's in
1: it as well. So, of course, we got. My, my favorite line is when the guy from Yiska Bank says, we, um, he basically says, when you can't get into the media, you must become, become the, the media. media. It's just such Isn't a great, that
0: great line. Yeah. He and I forgot Yuska Bank's in there too. That was that's oh, a, yeah. that that might that's one of my fa- they're all my favorite. It's a great, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great just, case study. It's, I mean
1: you talk about becoming the Uber of your business, right? I mean, so many people have talked about how do we become the Uber of our business. Well, there's Yuska Bank becoming the Uber, creating an entirely different experience about what it means to go into your retail bank and get a checking account and all of that, and with their twenty four seven broadcast news studio. I mean, they basically have said we're going to become the media and oh by the way yeah we also have retail banking services
0: well they have the tagline their actual tagline is we're the only media company with its own bank right and yeah, they have they exactly. use that out in the public too which is incredible and i think that if what if what if more businesses thought about it that way it's just it's just
1: tremendous. It's anyway, wonderful. It's wonderful. So it's awesome song. What's your uh, What's your week look like, my friend? My week is um, uh, I, have a, I have a slow ramp up to a very, very hectic next few weeks. But this week I have just one trip planned. I'm going down to San Diego to see the good folks at Microsoft. Um, and do a little thing for them and content marketing workshop for them. then uh, And then after that, I am home for the weekend to watch a little more football, and then my week just goes. I mean, I'm in Minnesota, and then I'm in uh, New York and Boston and all sorts of things. Yeah, I'm the same thing here.
0: I mean, I've got a ton of interviews this week for the book, which is great. Uh, We're getting a lot of good publicity on it. But then the next week, I'm uh what have i got kansas city nashville i've got a trip to vegas after that i mean it's just then the book tour starts and i'm just doing a lot of uh it's all good just doing yeah. doing lots of presentations at this point so i think you and i get a week to slow down after content marketing world and then it's back exactly <laughs> that it's
1: back to work evangelizing as we do so
0: Absolutely. it's all
1: good that's, though that's that's our jobs and that is it For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. And, you know, tweet us up. We love those story ideas. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We got them. We love them. We use them. Hashtag This Old Marketing. Um, And if you want to follow that hashtag, it's also a good one for sort of show reviews and that sort of thing. And if you've got a question, send us an email as well. Tweet us up or send us an email, thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 96, we hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links are on the show notes that are available within the podcast itself and, of course, on Saturdays at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, folks, it is your story to tell. Go have a great year and tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.